Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm on Facebook. I love the smell of nightclub in the morning. This is where the fun begins. I don't want to gain another yard. 620 CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Roughriders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Hi, how are you? Ballsy here along with Sean Kleisinger. Hello. Zingers, we like to call them. It's the Sports Cage on a Friday. My last show before the holidays. Because we got a best of uh, segment for the next week and then the end of the year shows the following week. So this is it for me. Uh, show is brought to you by our friends at um, Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Uh, we got a great show lined up. As always, we have the most guests, man. Like in, in two and a other shows can go for what, three, four hours, and they might have two or three lame guests. You and I always jam in five, six, seven guests. We got Dave Jackson, NHL ref. Uh, he's with uh, ESPN, their rules analyst. We need to talk to him about the goings on, especially in that. Edmonton game yesterday that was not offside Connor McDavid was not offside that overtime goal should have counted now Dave's going to have some lame ass excuse for the refs and he will promote and and stand up for the refs we'll see what he has to say we talk senior hockey on the show we'll get to that Kyle Borsa of the University of Regina Rams retiring from football or is he? <laughs> Could be some news there coming up. Jeff Hamilton, veteran Winnipeg writer, talking about the Jets, dip in attendance there. Should we be concerned? And, of course, Winnipeg Blue Bomber stuff. SJHL talk with their social media manager, Jeremy Corrigan. Kevin Holness talking World Cup soccer. we got the championship coming up on Sunday, the bronze game, I think they call it, coming up on Saturday. And we'll have our Sports Cage Rewind. We look back, one of our favorite interviews and bits, uh, and that'll be Jamal Morrow in that spotlight. So, uh, yeah, uh, getting to some other sports. There's a college football bowl game starting today. Uh, and uh, right now, I can tell you that it's uh, UTSA against Troy, and it's 12-7 in the Cure Bowl. The Bahamas Bowl, UAB beat Miami of Ohio 24-20. to uh, Here's something I don't get about bowl game, Singer. You're a traditionalist. Why in the bloody hell do we have bowl games after the the championship bowl game? I don't get that. Don't get it. I that brought, should be the last bowl game. I brought that up last week, remember? Yeah. I, I, I didn't sleep that night when I found that <laughs> out. I don't get it. Hey, uh, speaking of... Um, Speaking of uh, football, Canadian quarterback Trey Ford with the Elks worked out for the Las Vegas Raiders today, as did Riders receiver Kean Schaefer-Baker. So let's see, it's the, it was the Jags, the Bucks, the Steelers, the Colts, and now the Raiders for Kean Schaefer-Baker. I wonder if Kean's going to be gone. I wonder. CFL is a high-profile fan south of the border. Air Aaron Rodgers telling Sportsnet it's a fun game to watch. I love the three downs, the motion before the snap. There's some fun cities up there. Toronto, 
It's a good city. Vancouver's got a team. Montreal's got a team. You got some fun cities up there. Then he was asked, jokingly, would he play up here like Brady was talking about wanting to play up here? He said, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to go play up there, but I like watching it, so that's cool. <laughs> so now everybody will be like, ooh, Rogers says it's an awesome league, so it must be a good league. Uh, Rogers does say he took a psychedelic drugs and it cured him of the idea that he needs to accomplish anything before he dies. You know, like completing passes and getting to the playoffs. Um, he's won a Super Bowl and four MVPs. I know. People he's, need to hop off him. He's accomplished. There's no doubt about it. Uh, France going to face Argentina in the World Cup final. Uh, the biggest matchup, though, of the weekend in soccer will be viewers versus boredom. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Bonjour mes amis. So who do you got there? You got France or Argentina? I got bonjour mes amis. You want France, eh? It's their, uh, if they win, that will be the first time there's been a repeat World Cup champ in 60 years since Brazil did it. So France wow. trying to go back to back there. I'm going for Messi. I hope Argentina wins that thing. Uh, the the uh, Raptors have dropped three straight six of their past <laughs> eight. Brooklyn's at Toronto. What are you laughing we at? We hate the Raptors. What are you laughing at? at? I hate the, the Raptors. The Grizzlies smoked your bucks. That was a pathetic effort yesterday. Are the Grizzlies that good? They're first place in the West. Are they right? that good? They're a good team. Wow, they John hammered you guys. and fellows. Like, they oh, hammered, man. yeah, you guys. Minnesota Twins and outfielder Joey Gallo in agreement on a one-year contract worth $11 million bucks, according to ESPN, uh, ESPN's Jeff Passan. Um, back to uh, Aaron Rodgers talking about we have fun cities up here. So on the show, I believe it was yesterday, I had jokingly said, I said jokingly, Listen, I almost had an opportunity to move to Hamilton, to join a radio station in Niagara Falls, and then subsequently um, work for the Hamilton Tiger Cats at then TSN Radio, which never did happen because... uh, because, Good thing you didn't do that. Because TSN uh, Radio shut down in Hamilton. So I did tour Hamilton, Guelph, that whole area. Hamilton, uh, there's some parts like a Burlington, that type of thing. Um, I think Grimsby, there are some nice areas in there. I don't think Hamilton is a total dump, but I called it a dump when talking about Bo Levi Mitchell. Well, apparently people in Hamilton caught wind they're listening, and, and not everybody, but some people are like, oh, yeah, like because Regina is so desirable. Listen, I realize I don't live in Miami, Florida, but I think most people would take Regina over Hamilton. Am I right? I'm going to say it. I think Hamilton is a complete dump. I've been through there. I don't like it. Okay, so here we go. Let's talk about... Yes, I like Regina more. Let's think about this. What, off the top of our heads, we haven't done any, like, uh, official research, but what would be the most desired... If you take in the the, the unis you'll wear, the cities you live in... Unis definitely number one. The stadium you play in, and how far your money goes in that city, where would be the best place to play in the CFL? Serious. Like you'd say Vancouver, but you're going to be living in a box. You need to live yeah, with five the, other it's, guys. It's 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 uh, the Riders. Yeah, I think and, the Riders are one. And, uh, I think Calgary would be up there too. Nah, dumpy stadium. Nobody li- cares I li- about. I like McMahon Stadium. We just got back from Southern California. We saw all these jazzed up stadiums, yeah. and it kind of makes you sit back and think, man, we're not going to have these unique. Uh, Gritty stadiums in a few I'm years. Gonna, I like McMahon. Okay, so you you got the Riders one. I got the Riders one. You got Calgary two. His living is pretty yeah, uh, reasonable. Yeah, I think, I'm gonna Calgary. go. I'm I'm going to go. Probably, uh, I'm probably gonna go Winnipeg two. 
I know that people won't no, like that. No, you no, can't no. do that. No, listen, no. listen, listen. Okay, okay. When you take in the passion, you take in the stadium, you take in how far your money goes, you take in the unis. They've got some decent unis. They got an NHL team there, I guess. I'm, can... I'm going to go Winnipeg too, just narrowly beating out Ottawa. I put Ottawa at three because I think Ottawa, you could still get away with living there decently. I know the Philpot boys, one lives in Montreal and one lives in Calgary. And the one in Montreal is like, holy cow, my money doesn't go very far here. That would be Tyson, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Jalen's love and life playing in Calgary. So who would be your number three uh, city? Number three. Well, who's your number? You got Calgary too. So who's your three? Honestly, probably probably Edmonton. 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 Okay. I'd put Edmonton. They got beautiful colors. Yeah. Uh, they got uh, they got the e back. They got a uh, nobody goes to the games there. But though. that that can be flipped. Uh, I think living in Edmonton is reasonable. I think the two Alberta teams have to be in the top three. So along I got with Saskatchewan. Okay, so I got Riders, Winnipeg, Ottawa, and I'll put Edmonton at four. You got Riders, Calgary, Edmonton, and then who's your fourth team? Fourth team, uh, I think Ottawa would be pretty cool. Ottawa, okay, Ottawa's good. So you got Ottawa at four for desirable cities in the CFL. We're just talking about how I was busting the Hamilton Tiger Cat fans. No, actually, do you know what? Four for me would be Toronto. I don't care. I I know no one will go to the games, but like I've always been like a big city lover. I would love to find a little pad that's like 600 square feet, and I would love to live in. Dude, you wouldn't be able to afford to live in a pad of 600 square feet. I would. I would live. I would live in the dorm there. I would live in Bolton, Ontario. I would live in Brampton. I would live in the outskirts. So you're going Toronto. You could be a a Toronto Blue Jays season ticket holder. So who's five for you? Uh, I'll put Ottawa at five. Ottawa at five. Okay, I've got. Uh, I'm gonna go probably. You know, honestly, I probably am gonna go Hamilton at five. I'll put Hamilton at five because of their facility, because of their passionate fan base, because they've got some pretty nice unis. So I'll go Hamilton five. Uh, ne- next is Vancouver. I think Vancouver should be higher. Right? Yeah, I mean, but you I... can't live there. That's the thing. Well, That's... hey, we, we heard from big Nate Cherry. He's living in Surrey. You know, it's doable. Do you want to live like a college guy even when you're out of college? You want to live with three other dudes? I don't. Well... You know, my son's always having to clean his kitchen. He, it drives him nuts. The, I've stayed there. The bathroom, the kitchen, four dudes, and all. No way, man. But okay, so you got so you got Vancouver. Um, I'm gonna put Calgary after Hamilton. Uh, no, sorry, I gotta change this. I go Calgary at five, Hamilton at six. Yeah, I'm gonna go Montreal at seven. You're gonna go. Who do you got at seven? Uh, There's you got Montreal left. Hamilton so, left. So Montreal and then Hamilton and then Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. Like who who the hell would want to live in Winnipeg? Like it has to be at the bottom of the so list. So Winnipeg's nine for you. So who do you got, Montreal or Hamilton after Vancouver? Oh, it's Montreal then Hamilton. Montreal, Hamilton, and then Vancouver. Okay, so here's how your go. Yours go. Desirable cities to play, jerseys, everything included. Living, uh, the team. Riders, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Ottawa, Vancouver, Montreal, Hamilton, Winnipeg. And I've got the Riders, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Edmonton, Calgary, Hamilton, Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Only because, only because Toronto and Vancouver are expensive to live in. All things being equal, all things being equal, if if it was comparable in terms of living, Vancouver's number one with a bullet. And Toronto. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't if know. You, I don't if, like. I don't like their. They're too cocky down if, there. If you're a sports fan, you would love to live in Toronto. Another reason why Winnipeg is the absolute dead last in this list. Every bomber fan, it seems like, is a Minnesota Viking fan. It's like equivalent to living in hell. They like, feel. They feel like they do feel very Raiderish. Like they're kind of like the Raiders, yeah, except they've been more successful sick. than the Raiders. Make me nauseated every morning when I wake up. <laughs> anyway, nine three six. Anyway, nine three six sixty two sixty two. Why don't you weigh in? Desirable CFL cities. We're going with jerseys. We're going with the the football side of it, the living side of it, how far your money goes, all that type of thing. How would you rank your destinations? Because Hamilton Schooners? No, nah, they're never playing. Yeah, the they're never coming. By the way, are they ever going to play in the league? I can't see it. It'll be at least hope, 10 years. If they do, I hope, this is my wish, if the Atlantic Schooners come into the CFL, I want them to have... Miami Dolphin type colors. Ooh, teal. Because the league doesn't have something no, like that. No, teal. You know, yeah, enough enough black helmets. Yeah. You know, they have to have some and because they're on the they're on the East Coast, kind of yeah. like Miami. Yeah. yeah, I would kind of base them off the Miami Dolphins. That or how look, about the Patriots? The Harbor City, Harbor kind of, you know, Massachusetts. Yeah. You want Miami? I like the Miami I want, colors I want, too. I want Miami. Anyway, nine three six sixty two sixty two. Last time you get to weigh in, uh, talking to yours truly here uh, on, in the calendar year, so you can uh, critique us, good or bad, whatever. Let's uh, hear you weigh in on our text line, powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, 936-6262. When we come back, we'll speak with the Rams. Kyle, did I say that right? Is he with the Rams? We'll find out. Latest from Kyle Borsa on the Sports Cage on 620. Details. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. I got a few clutch performers I got to highlight. Uh, a couple of people out in uh, Creative Kitchen helping me uh, finish my uh, work in my kitchen out there. Thanks to Brad Nemeth and the gang out there. Also, uh, Jamie at uh, A-Line Mechanical. They helped to set up my dishwasher and my washing machine, so I'm giving them a shout-out. And my buddy Sean Kleisinger across the breakfast nook for me here. I call it the breakfast nook. I'm just saying that in the morning. The afternoon... What, lunch nook? I don't know. Anyway, Zinger, thanks. You are uh, lining up uh, all our best of segments uh, next week and then the Sports Cage Year in Review. There's lots of stuff to go through, so congratulations. You are our clutch performer for Nick's service in Emerald Park. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you're in great. Oh, he's crying. Yeah, I know. It's a big deal. Uh, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give him a call in Emerald Park, 781-1077. Hey, uh... I was kind of... Uh, God is real. Yeah, I was kind of uh, upset a little bit when this guy announced his retirement because to me it was like, this guy, his career just didn't uh, finish the way I wanted or he didn't get the accolades or anything the way I wanted him to go out. That would be Kyle Borsa of the Rams who had this big post on Facebook and retired. But Kyle, welcome to the show. Merry Christmas. You're coming back, I hear. Yeah, I mean, I uh, kind of surprised myself um, <laughs> in making that decision. But, uh, yeah, no, I got surgery a lot sooner than I expected. And, uh, yeah, so I think I want to ride it out for one more year. Well, uh, I say ride it till the wheels fall off the wagon. And I know your buddy's Mason Nias. And didn't he give you uh, the old tip or just told your dad to tell Kyle to keep playing till he can't play no more? Of course, you know, Mason, Mason never wants anybody to stop playing football, so... 
um, yeah, he he was super supportive too, and um, yeah, we were kind of he was kind of talking me off the ledge a little bit uh, in the beginning because yeah, he's a super supportive friend. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm lucky to have Mason around for sure. Tell you what, didn't that kid get ripped off for the heck, Crichton? Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing: I thought he was kind of a lock for it, and then. I see you didn't even get a first-team All-Canadian. I was like, whoa. And then it kind of like, okay, well, how is he supposed to get the heck if he's on a first-team? So, yeah, I think he – I thought he, like, was going to win the heck, but it's like, okay, there's some good players around. But, like, for him to not even be first-team All-Canadian, I was like, okay, well, that's the, wrong. Well, that's, ridic- <laughs> that's a ridiculous thing. He's the only quarterback up for the heck, but then he wasn't the first-team All-Star quarterback. Huh? Like that doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense. That's what I've always that's what I've never liked about you sports, Kyle, and you can speak to it. Like I know the teams practice hard, like the coaches uh, care about it. A guy like you, nobody trains harder than you. That's why I'm glad you're back to player last year. But I feel like those people that run the sports body like you sports or people who vote on these things or people that run the universities, they really don't put much thought or effort into it yeah i don't know like i i would love to be a fly on the wall for those conversations but i mean i try to keep the bias out of it as much as i can because he's one of my best friends but it's like geez like number one look who he's playing against and like look at his numbers it's i feel like they speak for themselves so i don't know mm-hmm. whatever i'm not i'm not in to make those decisions and i know mason um I think he cared more about the Vanier more than he cared about those individual accolades. But, mm. yeah, no, I was just as surprised as anybody. So so uh, you're coming back now. Are you coming back? I know you're uh, looking to be a teacher and, and, and then get into coaching. So are you coming back just to uh, finish it off the right way yourself and, like, you're, you're not really looking at pro ball? You just want to finish the Rams career in the right way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like I still haven't had the college career that I've wanted to, like you said. And, uh, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't want my career to end by, um, something outside of myself. If I'm, if I'm done football, I want to be able to finish it on my own, not something else, you know? Yeah. So, so how did you come to that decision? Cause you put out this big elaborate Facebook post. I know I talked to you quite frequently, but I just let it be. And then, uh, I was starting to hear rumors that you were coming back, but what ultimately flipped your decision was the fact you got your, uh, your, uh, knee surgery so fast or what, what made you decide, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I think, I think initially, um, you, I just, I just initially thought that you have to wait um, like a good few months before you can get into surgery. And I mean, I figured the wait for the MRI was going to be long enough just to figure out what was going on. Um, so I just felt like there's a whole waiting process. Um, I'm graduating school here um, next week, actually. So I mean, yeah, I figured the combination of those two things. I felt like it didn't really make much sense, nor was it even feasible. And now, like. I'm six weeks out, six weeks out of surgery already, and I'm I'm running and biking and I'm doing all these things. So it's like, hey, uh, yeah, I want to go back and play. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'll tell you what, it, it was a it was a really good season for your Regina Rams, uh, and I I shudder to think what would have happened had you played and Donnelly taking nothing away from the guys who replaced you because because they did it like Katende and the guys, and I know you helped those guys out, um, but you know you had a committee by running back, and then of course uh, your quarterback, oh, young Noah Pelshi, did a great job replacing Josh Donnelly. I shudder to think though what would have happened had you played and maybe even Donnelly. Played. Played. What's the team look like coming back when you come back? Do you got a pretty good chance? I mean, I think so. I think we have 
guys that are going to be filling in some big shoes for sure, especially on defense. Um, but I've seen those guys in practice, and I've seen them in exhibition games. And even in our last game against Manitoba, we had some guys who like really opened some eyes. So I think uh, it's going to be it's going to be a test for sure, but I don't think it's out of the question that we can make another run. Um, and on offense, we don't really lose too many guys, minus Riley Borisma, who's a stud uh, receiver for us. Um, so that'll be a big spot still. But other than that, our line is going to be pretty solid again, and uh, Noah's obviously playing really well. So um, if Josh can't make the comeback, then, yeah, I think we're going to be just fine there. So uh, before I let you go here, um I think you want to get into being like a high school football coach eventually if I'm if I'm right with that. So how much did last season help you in terms of you weren't playing, but you did help the running backs, you helped break down film. How much did that help you uh, kind of further cement that mindset and maybe help you with the development on that side? Yeah, it was definitely different. I mean, um, you get a different perspective on the game. So you, you kind of see how what you're teaching – and it's a reflection of you and whether they're understanding what you're saying or not. So, um, yeah, I feel like I feel for the coaches because that's not an easy job. People think coaching is uh, is something that's pretty easy, but uh, no, I'm here to tell you it's not. And people like to give their two cents after there's plays called or after something doesn't go go the right way. But um, yeah, coaching is not an easy job. So. Yeah. Hey, and lastly, your coach won Coach of the Year. That's a nice feather in Mark McConkey's cap. Just talk about what a good coach he is. Yeah, Mark's awesome. Um, I mean, he's he's a new school coach, so he's really really good relationship with his players. He'll take his players' input, and I I think that works really well for our team because I mean we have we have smart guys in the room, so uh, I think some coaches can kind of get into their own way a little bit. Whereas Mark, he is very open minded, and he'll listen to guys' concerns and what they have to say, and and he'll usually uh, put them into place. So. Um, yeah, I think Mark's got a great future for the team, and I'm really happy where he's going with the team. So, Well, I'm happy you're back, Matt. It's going to be great to, to watch. I know our buddy here, Sean Kleisinger, is the uh, public address announcer, and he's going to be happy to announce Kyle Borsa for one more year. Uh, thanks a lot. Merry Christmas and uh, to you and your family, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay, thanks a lot, Baldy. Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's Kyle Borsa from the Regina Rams coming out of retirement. That's good news, Zinger. Like, this guy... He could be the best back. He will be the best back in the conference if he stays healthy. If he stays healthy, I think he could be in the heck Crichton conversation. I think so, too, Uh, just to get ripped off. Yep. (laughs) That's the way it works around here in the West. That's right. That's right. (laughs) You should ask for a trade to Laval. He'll probably get it. (laughs) Anyway, that'll do it for our talk with Kyle Borsa. But coming up, Dave Jackson, former NHL ref, uh, rules analyst on ESPN. We'll get his thoughts on uh, some of the things going on in the NHL recently. This is the Sports Cage on 620. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Michael Ball, Sean Kleisinger back on the show. 936-6262, our text line. We'll get to some of your texts. Brought to you by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, study time. A great time to order Western Pizza. This guy's been a regular on our show. We're happy he does come in because I can... uh, I can bitch about the refing, but this guy used to be a referee. It's uh, Dave Jackson. You can find him on Twitter at ESPN Ref NHL. He's their rules analyst. Dave, thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas to you and yours. How does the Jackson family spend Christmas? Well, this Christmas we're spending it just hunkered down in Denver. Uh, all the 
family's coming back. I got the three kids at home, and we're just going to enjoy a couple of quiet days at home with no hockey. Nice. Okay, so yeah, that's good to get a break. I, I kind of like I love football, but I like to get away from it for a while for a while too. So, Dave, uh, let's rewind a couple of days. Ryan Reeves comes up and absolutely lays out that the Detroit defenseman back in the day. That was a Scott Stevens staple, uh, literally. Uh, Lindros, Korea. What did you think of that hit? Is that still okay in what I like to call the non-hit league now? Yeah, I have no problem with that hit other than the guy got hurt. I mean, that's it's always unfortunate. You never want to see a player get hurt. But Ryan Reeves did everything that is asked of him. He was gliding when he made the hit. Uh, his elbow, his arm was tucked. He didn't elevate on contact. His knees were bent. And, you know, the head was not the principal point of contact. He didn't pick the head. We saw a hit earlier in the week, I believe, in Seattle, where the player made a move and the defenseman that's not the first time that's happened with Dave Jackson. So we're going to try to call him back. That's actually not the first time. Last time we had him on, it did. Is somebody monitoring us in NHL control? That is hilarious. That that literally happened again. The exact same moment in. I am not into conspiracy theories, but what is going on? Like what literally is going on here? Is he there? Dave, I Dave, you were on yeah. the last time and about the three minute mark it dropped again. Is Gary Bettman listening to us? Like is he monitoring our call? What's going on here? <laughs> I think it might be the Oilers fans that are uh, uh, Yeah. Believe me, you're talking you're you're talking to an Oilers fan, so we'll get we'll get into that. But uh yeah, here's here's my here's an issue I do have. Let's go back to the Reeves thing, okay? And it's not just Reeves, I've seen it in other things, okay? So he, or in other games. So he makes the hit, it's a decent hit, and right away he knows it, everybody knows it. He's got a fight right away. Somebody's gonna hit somebody's gonna come up to him and fight him. Like, come on. Like, does he have to fight? Yeah, no, I mean he shouldn't have to fight. That that really bugs me too. I mean, you make a good clean hit, and I mean he's fully capable of taking care of himself. But there's guys that are not fighters that make big hits and for whatever reason they are forced to fight. And that, that's just wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... that seems to be the culture. Yeah. Okay. So, Dave, we're going to get into that Edmonton game. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about is the lineup card. This happened to me uh, watching a game. It was a neutral site game, 1994. It was the Oilers against the Canucks. It was a regular season game. I remember Sather's Oilers with Jason Arnott against uh, Pavel Burry and the Vancouver Canucks. Trevor Lennon and Pat Quinn filled out the lineup card wrong. And then it, ha- you know, it's happened before. But last night it happens to Barube and the Blues. Can you just take us through what goes on there? Sure. Well, first off, that's an, I mean, that happens way more often than you think. It's just never called a penalty because it's an appeal play. It's exactly the same as a stick measurement. Okay. If the other team doesn't appeal to the referee to check the lineup, then it's just puck gets dropped for next after the first whistle and you play on. So it's an appeal play. It doesn't happen very often. And it's a big difference between wrong starting lineup and an illegal player. So, for example, if they would have scored on that first shift of the game, the goal would have stood. They won't. T- you don't take the goal away. You just serve a two-minute minor. An oh. illegal player would be a guy that's on the ice who's not listed on the lineup card whatsoever. In that case, you would take the goal down and remove the player from the game, and you play a man short. 
So, Dave, do you agree or disagree that we have a lot of gray area when it comes to calling penalties? Connor McDavid uh, came out and said, we need some clarity on all these rules. He's the face of the NHL, and he rarely speaks. So when he speaks, I believe people should listen, not only because they cheer for the Oilers, but the guy doesn't. To me, Connor McDavid's not a huge whiner. He 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 does get mad at times, but he bites his tongue. He, he's, he's, he's one to say very few words, but when he does, I think people should listen. For instance, uh, I don't know that there's consistency on offside. I don't know that there's consistency on goalie interference. Uh, you know, what is a kicking motion? What isn't a kicking motion? Before we get into the actual offside play yesterday, just do you think there needs to be more consistency in the NHL with regards to those penalty calls? Well, yes and no. Let me start by saying you're right. Connor McDavid doesn't complain a lot. He's a gentleman. And he's a fantastic hockey player. It was always good to me when a couple of years end of my career when I was on the ice. Having said that, I think it's about as consistent as you're going to get. Just because, you know, there's a bunch of fans with their hair on fire saying there's, there's no consistency. There's a very small group in Toronto who makes these calls on a nightly basis. And if you were to go across the board and you were to watch, uh, I believe I've said this to you before, if you could show me 20 random goalie interference plays. I'd have no knowledge of what what the call was, and I'd get 18 of them right. I'd get 18 of them right because I know what the criteria is. And I think when you know what the criteria is, it's very consistent. However, having said that, it's still a subjective call. Possession, control, and intent on a goaltender is still a judgment call, whether you leave it to the guy in the ice or the guy in the video room. It's always going to be a judgment. Mm, Interesting. Okay, so let's go to that offside. In the playoffs... Uh, there was uh, the the Colorado Avalanche uh, score a goal. It was McCarr bringing the puck in. His guy looks like he's offside. Uh, the goal went against Edmonton. It's kind of what Connor referenced yesterday. He come Connor's coming in with the puck, and there's a little bit of a stick battle with uh, Ryan O'Reilly. But I don't think O'Reilly ever touches the puck. Connor said. From what I know, I had possession of the puck. It's not offside. The goal should have counted. Now, I know you have a different opinion, so take my listeners through what you think. Because I am with Connor McDavid. I think that goal should have, should have uh, been standing. But what do you think, Dave? Well, Connor's not wrong when he said he had possession of the puck. Now, possession of the puck is a lot different than control of the puck. Possession of the puck is defined as the last person to have touched it. So in, he's right when he said he had possession of the puck. The problem is, on that rule, you need possession and control. He didn't have control. And the reason I say he didn't have control was because he propelled that puck. It let, he, ha, he did have possession and control as he approached the blue line. As his skates hit the blue line, the puck left his stick. He sort of propelled it, and he propelled the puck in behind him. His feet now cross the blue line. Mm-hmm. Then the puck crosses the blue line on its own. If he'd have picked that puck back up on his stick, regained control of the puck, it would have been onside. It would have been a good goal. However, if you break that play down and watch it frame by frame, from the time that puck leaves his stick in the neutral zone, that's the last time he touches it until he receives the pass from Dre Seidel. He never touches that puck with his stick again. He doesn't even touch it with his skate, actually. It goes underneath his skate, and it's poke-checked by the St. Louis defenseman. Then it's touched by Dre Seidel, who passes the puck to McDavid. 
McDavid never touches that puck once inside the zone until he gets the pass. That's why it's not control. Do you? And I love that. Uh, that uh, I don't love it, but I love the fact that you outlined that. You know better than me, so I defer to you. I snicker though because I am an Oilers fan. I've said it many times, and you know that because we've talked personally. Uh, do you snicker as a ref or a former ref? So people are all over the referees, but the nine and a half million dollar defenseman chopped the puck up when they had a power play, and St. Louis. Pulled their goalie, so it's this shouldn't have even got to overtime, and even Connor McDavid admitted that. Right, right. You know, I mean, and, and things aren't. You know, the referees tend to be the scapegoats for for everything here. And I, you know, people don't understand as well is that that was not a coach's challenge last night. That was um, it's automatically triggered in the last sixty seconds of play or any time in overtime. It's an automatic challenge. Uh, it's taken. It's it's the league that does the challenge, and they oversee everything. They check for entry at the blue line, meaning offside. They check for goalie interference, and they check for a missed stoppage, like a hand pass, high stick, or puck off netting. So mm-hmm. this wasn't St. Louis Blues challenging that play. This is an automatic procedure that kicks in on any goal after the last 60 seconds of regulation time. Do you like that rule? They made the change where you shoot the puck over the glass unimpeded. It's a penalty. Do you like that rule? Do you like it? Well, I do because it was never called before. Um, people said, let's use judgment, and only if he does it on purpose. And we had 30 pucks over the glass per game, and it was never called a penalty because you can't read a guy's mind, right? Right. So now, now it's black and white, and it's amazing how it only happens once a game now. Yeah. It just goes to show you that the other 29 times were probably intentional. You know, it's funny, too. People are like, well, how could they miss that? Like, why do they have to have review? You stand... Listen, I, I, I was mad last night. I was probably cursing the officials. But when you think about it, your stand... You get to see at home, and now you, with uh, being a, a, a rules analyst, you get to see it uh, secondhand. You're on the ice, and you've been there before. Full speed, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, that's, that's, that goes past you in a whiz. You do need some video help. Well, you know what? If we did, if we didn't have video review, if there was no such thing as as uh, challenging that play, that play gets called onside. They score, and I doubt St. Louis even puts up much of a fight. It just it happens so fast. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, fortunately or unfortunately, now that we have the video review that was brought in to fix offside that was ten feet, you can't have it. You can't pick and choose which offside calls you're going to review. It's either all or nothing, and where we're at right now, it's all. So the ones that are millimeters offside or, or technicalities like last night, they're also going to be reviewed and you have to live with you know, the genies out of the bottle. We can't put it back in. No, that's absolutely right. Hey, I was talking earlier this week with Tim Peel about officials and he referenced to you too with the tweet you had out there. Like, <clears throat> I, I don't know. Do you think we could run into a situation down the line where we might have an officials crisis just because these youth officials, they might, you know, I'm excited to be an official, but if I've got a mom coming up to the glass and banging me on the head like I saw in that one tweet, it's like, why would I want to put up with that crap for 40 bucks a game? I, I believe they're at the point now where they're losing more officials every year in minor hockey than, than they're gaining, and that's not sustainable. You, it just can't happen, and the only way to stem that is to put money into supervision. You would never sign your kid up for hockey and say who's coaching and the organization says, to you, well, we're not going to have a coach. We're just going to send the kids out, let them learn on their own. That would be ludicrous. And everyone, everybody would be up in arms, but that's what we do to these officials. In a lot of cases, we give them a preseason camp, training camp, give them a rule book, let them write a test and then say, go out there and figure it out on your own. 
We need to spend the money. We need to have associations willing to spend money to put people on the stand that are mentors, teachers, and coaches. So when that kid comes off the ice and he's been berated by the players, by the parents, he's got somebody in there patting him on the back saying, don't listen to them. You did a great job. Keep doing what you're doing, and you're going to move up the ranks. That's what's going to keep kids engaged. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, if you hold ref camps, uh, Dave, uh, or if you uh, if you mentor refs. But what what piece of advice would you give to a young official in terms of dealing with stress and and bozo parents and coaches? Well, I would say just ignore them. But it's a lot easier said than done when you're 14 years old dealing with adults. Um, I, I would say latch on to a mentor. Find a guy on staff that's a little older, that knows he's been through the ringer before, and just go to him constantly for advice. Call him, email him, text him, have him come watch your games. And that, that is what's going to keep you going. You know, it's self, you're, you, don't, you don't get in the referee and to get a pat on the back. You've got to be self-motivated and you, you do self-affirmation because you're not going to get it from anyone else. So what did you do? How did you deal? I never asked him this. I wanted to, but I'll ask you. Uh, what did you do to deal with stress? How did you de-stress? How did you block out the noise when you refed? Well, I learned really early on in my first year that watching the sports news and reading the newspapers mm-hmm. is just soul-crushing. Absolutely soul-crushing because all they do is criticize you. So I made it a point that whenever I did a game, I refused to read the paper or watch TV afterwards. I'd listen to music. I'd watch a movie. I would just... I would, I would just eliminate all that external noise because there's so much negativity. If you let that creep in, it's going to just destroy you. So I just totally avoided it altogether. You've, you've seen some great players uh, with your own eyeballs five, ten feet away. Let's talk about Ovechkin for a second. Probably the best one-timer in NHL history. Would I be far off with that? No, you'd be bang on. Yeah, that guy can shoot the puck. Man, can he shoot the puck? I, you know, Gretzky's my favorite of all time, but I'm rooting for him to break the record. I really, I think he's got a legitimate shot now. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. But what always amazes me is when they go on the power play, he sets up in his office, and I, I say to myself, "There he is. Somebody cover him. Somebody cover him." And <laughs> the puck just comes to him, and he's open, and he puts it in the net. I just. It's, it's a definition of insanity, right? Just doing the same thing over and over, hoping for a different result. And so I guess they're going to have to put a guy on his back or something because he seems unstoppable. It reminds you when Gretzky used to set up in his office behind the net. People would still fall for the moves. Absolutely. I think great hockey players just have an ability to adjust, and no matter what you try and do to defend them, they're just going to, out, you know, Outfox you. One one other thing I want to talk about before I let you go. Bennington does this a lot. Didn't do uh, so much of it last night, but goalie interference, like where the guy's cutting behind the net and he puts his arm out or gets in front of him, and sometimes it's a dangerous play. Uh, I wonder if the NHL looks at that a little more closely as we go along because I'm I'm noticing uh, more and more goalies are doing this. Yeah, and that's something I think for player safety to probably supplementary discipline. It's it's one of the toughest calls. The two toughest calls for the officials is the net being knocked off because you're not watching the goaltender. You're watching the puck carrier. Mm-hmm. So when the net gets knocked off, it's tough to see how it happened. And the same thing goes for what you're just talking about. A guy swooping around the net, he usually has a guy chasing him, and you're looking for a trip, you're looking for a hook. That just jumps out and just catches you completely by surprise. It's, yeah. it's a real tough Tough call to make. Yeah, and a lot of those guys now, they use those those goalies I'm talking about, they use the post uh, to push off a lot of times. They're taught that now. Correct. Yeah, so that's crazy. It, crazy. You know, it seems to be, I think maybe they have to find some way to keep those nets anchored better in the ice. 
Yeah, technology. Hey, Dave, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it always. Always, Michael. Have a great Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Dave Jackson, you can follow him at ESPN Ref NHL. When we come back, a sports ticker with Zinger on the sports cage for Nelson Holmes on 620. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the sports cage on 620 CKRM. 452 with the sports ticker. This is for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781 2090. <laughs> yeah. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have signed American defensive back Roland Milligan to a two year contract extension. He rejoins the green and white. After a breakout season in 2022, uh, check this out. He had 71 defensive tackles, 11 special teams tackles, one sack, one interception, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, and a team-high eight pass knockdowns over 17 games. Regina Pats are in Moose Jaw tonight to take on the Moose Jaw Warriors. The Pats are coming off that big come-from-behind win against Spokane on Wednesday night. Tonight's game starts with the pregame show right after the sports cage at 6.35. Puck drop shortly after 7. Love it. And uh, Kean Schaefer Baker worked out for the Haters. And so did Trey Ford, too. Um, yeah, that would be sweet if Trey Ford. I, I don't really see him no. catching. I wonder if Kean Schaefer Baker will catch him. I see another Braylenia scenario. Where he goes down and then comes yeah, back. That's, right what, that's what you think? Yeah, that's what's going to happen, I think. Got to take your chance, though, when you can get it. Oh, yeah. All right. So um, we follow everything around here. At the old sports cage. Uh, we've got all your football covered. We got all your uh, curling covered. We'll get into more of that coverage on the other side of the calendar here. We got uh, the Cougars covered. We just had Kyle Borsa from the Rams. Like, if you want sports, you don't go anywhere else. This is the number one sports talk show. And I want to tell you big, big. Things are coming for the sports cage on the other side of the calendar year. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just whistling Dixie. We have a big announcement, big things coming for the sports cage in January. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's all we can tell you. First week of January. First week of January. Huge news. Make sure you're tuning in. That's all I got to say. And if Terrell Owens would say, get your pop code ready. That's right. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. That's my operator right there, Sean Clayton. He was gone for a month and now he's here. He's my operator. He's back. I love him. Anyway, we also have your senior hockey cover. We got Pats Hockey. We're the voice of Pats Hockey. We have NHL. Tim Peel, the referee, former referee, was on. Dave Jackson on today. Pete Lubardius, Peter's Puck, Flames broadcaster. Who else? Singer? Bob Stoffer comes on. Uh, we got Glenn Suter. Glenn we got Suter. Yeah, Miles. we got uh, yeah. Rash uh, Madani. Dickinson. Man, uh, it's crazy, man. <laughs> it is crazy what we got going here. But we got your senior hockey covered, courtesy of the guys of the Monday Nooner podcast. You can check them out every Wednesday. They roll out a new one, but they are on the sports cage every Friday. Let's hear from them. Time now for the Monday Nooner Senior Hockey Report here on the Sports Cage. We talk about it every week here on the show. 12 leagues, 105 teams duking it out every week. Senior hockey here in the province of Saskatchewan. Lots of great games going on, Chain. I want to quickly mention a game from last week. Just really quick. Upset of the year, the oh. people are calling it. The 1-7 Bethune Bulldogs, led by their captain, their leader, Russ Nielsen, go into Belcaris and knock off the undefeated Belcaris Bronx, who are the number four team in the province, 5-2. to two. Probably the biggest upset of the year, for sure. 
They don't come by the name, the Belcaris Leafs in our books. Uh, they come by that honestly, obviously. Yeah, pretty, pretty sad day for Belcaris. But you know what? Boys out there will bounce back. They'll be back. Gubble have the fellows rocking this week. That's one thing we forget. It is only December. Of course, senior hockey, it doesn't really matter till provincials and playoffs, which is coming up in March. And provincials, the draw is going to be coming out in the new year belts. And we've got some exclusive information when that draw is released. We're teaming up with Hockey Sask. We got him. Kelly McClintock has agreed to come back on. We're going to do a live release of all the draws in the respective divisions, ABC, and uh, I think D, too. And, and you know what? You're going to hear the draws. You can hear who you're playing here first. So tune into the show when that's released. Yeah, provincial playoffs. There is nothing like it in the province. It's the best time of the year for senior hockey in Saskatchewan, for sure. Let's mention some games around the province this weekend, if you've got nothing to do, you're looking to see some great competitive senior hockey. I'm going to highlight a game Saturday night in Grenfell. The uh, one loss Grenfell Spitfires host the one loss Belcaris Bronx. We're looking to come back after the tough loss against Bethune. That's Saturday night in the Coppell Valley Highway Hockey League. If you want to go uh, up to Crake for the in the Polar Dome there, the Crake Memorial Arena, they're playing the Saint. Brew Lake Lenore rivals. Hey, the both these teams are six and one. Craig has got a pretty good wagon, I would say, in the Wheatland. So head on up there. It's a heck of a rink. Actually, kind of a a dinosaur of a rink that it's not going to be around forever. And go get your fill. Take your kids. Great burgers up there, and it's going to be a great game. Yeah, it's the uh, Pillar Dome. You said the Polar, the Pillar Dome, the Pillar Dome. Sorry, the most, you're right. The most dangerous place to play yes. senior hockey anywhere for sure. That's going to be a great game. I know the. Uh, the Super League. Yes. The Long Lake. There's a big game going on. You've got uh, Wadena hosting Win Yard Win on Yard. Saturday. Yes. Two best, two of the best teams in the province, according to our Monday Nooner Senior Hockey Top 10. And why don't you let everybody know this week for general well servicing, who are the top 10 teams in the province of Saskatchewan? We're going to break this down real quick, folks. Number 10, Wainwright from out in Alberta. Number nine, the Edam Three Stars. Number eight, the Redverse Rockets. Seven, we move over to Langenberg. After that, we move over to uh, Winyard, Wadena, Grenfell, Davidson, Keniston, and number one in the province again this week, the Kindersley Senior Clippers. And it was our game of the week. They're in EDAM Saturday night for anybody listening up in that area. That's our Monday Nooner Senior Hockey Report here on the Sports Cage. Thanks very much to the Boz. Not Brian Bosworth, but... Bosler, the Boz and Shane Belter. Barry was uh, on the shelf with a little sickness. I think I'm getting sick too. I thought it was. Wah. I thought it was. The, what are you from the band Disturbed? Oh, wow. Down with the sickness. Yeah, you got it. You got yeah, it. I know. I know. <laughs> got to come up with some country uh, references. Okay, we're gonna take a break. When we come back. We are going to hear from Jeff Hamilton, veteran Winnipeg sports writer. We'll talk about the Jets, a dip in attendance there, and what's going on with their GM. Why can't he get a new contract? What's up with Kyle Walters? No Kyle Walters love? This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 623. I love the smell of night come in the morning. This is where the fun begins. I don't want to gain another yard. 620 CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. 
right, this show is brought to you by our friends at Nelson Homes, applying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. If you're in the holiday spirit, get in that spirit over at Western Pizza. Contact them about uh, your holiday uh, needs in terms of beverages and food. And uh, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, our friend of the show, Jeff Hamilton from Winnipeg Veterans Sports Reporter. Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas to you too, Ballsy, and all the listeners. Uh, always a pleasure to be on. Are you uh, a big Christmas guy? Like, do you like Christmas? You know what? I. It's funny you ask that. Of course, I like Christmas. I think you know, like any everybody, maybe that it's just the time of year that you know is a bit more joyful than your average, you know, time of of year and whatnot. But I, I it's I, I'm not a huge Christmas guy. So like, I'm not like. You know, I, I feel like we're nine days away and my spirit hasn't caught on to me. I think it's getting pretty close, but I'm, you know, beyond a couple family things, like I don't have kids, so I don't get, you know, I do have young ne- nieces and nephews, yeah. so it is cool to see their experience. But uh, I'd say I'm a, you know, I'm a Christmas guy, but not one of those people in your life that you know that uh, you're know, <laughs> hardcores, if you will. What's uh, what's the, f- the best Christmas gift you've ever received, in your opinion? Oh, man, I got to give it to my parents. Like, growing up, as kids, we used to do the, they, they, I don't want to say they pulled out all the stops, but they certainly pulled out a lot. And, and, uh, I can remember just, you know, hockey gear every, every, uh, you know, Christmas, you know, I remember, I remember getting my, you know, it's my date me a little bit here, but I remember cause my parents would always do the unwrapped gifts were from Christmas or sorry, Christmas from Santa Claus. So right. when we ran downstairs and the stuff that wasn't wrapped, it was what Santa got. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, running downstairs with my twin brother uh, and seeing a Sega Genesis for the first time. And that was, uh, you know, so it's like, you know, I think I've got a lot of cool Christmas gifts over the years, even as an adult, but uh, for some reason that one sticks out above all else. I remember playing it for for hours upon hours after, after, uh, you know, seeing it for the first time and, of course, throughout the year. You you, uh, loved uh, hockey growing up, so who is your favorite hockey player to watch or who do you want to be like? Pavel Bure was my number one. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think a lot of people, especially, you know, I was obviously a Jets fan growing up, but the Jets, uh, you know, had you know, headed to the desert when I was 10 years old. So I used to love Tempo Newman. Um, was a big fan of Keith Kachuk, but, uh, as time went on, certainly, and even as a kid, just, I, you know, you want to talk about people you want to emulate or, or, uh, you know, play like it was Pavel Bure because I love scoring goals and, you know, no one scored prettier ones than he did during his reign, in my opinion. Yeah, man. Could he skate? Can you imagine in today's NHL with, uh, <laughs> with the way they, they've opened things up? Holy, can you imagine him and, uh, McDavid on the line together? Oh man, I have, like that speed alone. I mean, the guy had tree trunks for legs, but just, you know, I think about the, all the creativity in the, in the NHL today. And, uh, you know, I remember Pavel Bure doing obviously that breakaway move where he drops the puck down to his, uh, his skate, kicks it back up and scores. I tried doing that a million times as a player and, uh, certainly at the outdoor rinks. That was, I think he'd get, I think he did get, uh, well, he was a pretty tough for his own right, but, uh, I think back then you didn't see those moves as often as you see, uh, some of the creative yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, my The one Wayne Gretzky story that sticks out in my mind is the end of his uh, career when Dave Hodge did that special on him. Asked him if if he was to stick around, uh, who do you have stuck around for to play another year? He said Pavel Bure. And he also, oh, cool. and he also uh, he nobody asked him to play another year. That's why he retired. He's like, if they would have, nobody asked me to stay on. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's kind of, <laughs> that's, that's kind of wacky, isn't it? Hey, uh, speaking of the Jets, you talked about them going to the desert the first time. Now, I, I think I read somewhere where there's maybe some issues on attendance, maybe attendance dipping. Is that I 
haven't followed that too closely. Is that the case? And if it is the case, should that be something we should be concerned about in Winnipeg? Yeah, it's something that, you know, it's certainly been a, a story, particularly uh, post, well, we're not post-COVID, but post-allowing people mm-hmm. back into the, the arenas. You know, during the COVID era, I think there was a little bit of an issue leading into COVID. And then obviously as, as fans, uh, you know, as fans are welcome back, um, I think the expectation was was that it was going to be full again. And, and it really hasn't. And this year, you know, this year was ultimately, I think this year or last year, I'm getting my years, uh, you know, mixed up here a little bit, but definitely not, not, uh, not far into the past was the first real non sellout. And then what followed that was a handful more. And it was two games ago. Um, I forget which the opponent was Vegas, maybe, or the, yeah, yeah, Vegas, I think it was Vegas yeah, yeah. yeah, it was Vegas golden Knights, which has, you know, some Winnipeggers on it, you know, including Mark stone. Um, you know, that one's, Drew just over thirteen thousand, which was a which was a which shows a you know a low for the Jets. And so the thing is, it's it's you know when you build an arena that has the fewest amount of seats in it, um, and you're not you know and you're not selling out. I mean, there's lots of arenas or you know across the NHL where if they're not selling out by one thousand, two thousand fans, you know they're they're still getting seventeen thousand you know plus. And, and in Winnipeg, where it's you know. It's around fifteen, sixteen thousand. If you're not, you know, or fifteen thousand, you're not, you're not having two, one, two thousand fans. All of a sudden, you're looking at thirteen, fourteen thousand fans, and there is an issue. I mean, do I think it's the start of the Jets leaving town? Absolutely not. I mean, the the you know, as bad as the American dollar compared to the Canadian dollar is now, it was much worse before. There was different things in place uh, in the NHL back then versus now to protect teams and certainly the efforts by the, the, the you know, the NHL. And even just talking about it now seems a little premature, but it, but to your question, I mean, there is, there definitely has been a bit of a building concern over, over not having to sell it. And that was, you know, and that's forced the Jets to do things. I mean, when this, when the Jets came back in 2011, 2012, you you know, it took minutes to sell out. You know, the the run to thirteen thousand, right? It was a yeah. sellout every every game for an automatic five years as as fans were you know re-upping their season tickets. And and now you look at today, and it's like now the Jets actually have to do something beyond just you know putting out a product, right? That was kind of it. Like I mean, they they had already sold all the tickets. They they were they didn't even have a ticket. Uh, branch in their in their uh, you know in you know in their business you know they didn't have people because they didn't have to and yeah. so now now it's forced them to get kind of in line with other teams and they brought in kind of this new you know lighting system and all that stuff that you see in typical arenas where they do all the light shows and stuff like that on the ice so they brought that in this year and have, have done some other things but um, I also think it's a combination of COVID too people not a hundred percent sure uh, you know if they feel like like, like they want to be in, in groups but I'd say more more importantly, it's been it's been the you know the inflation and, and people's dollars not going as far. So I, I do think if you if you believe in Gary Bettman's words, he was here in Winnipeg a couple of weeks back, and uh, he seems to think things are going to turn a corner over time. I mean, I think if you know, people, I think that's certainly a possibility. But at this point, um, I don't know when exactly that's going to be. Hey, how do you like the presentation on TV with those uh, video board ads? Do you like them? Uh, Bettman said, "Oh, everybody likes them," but everybody I talk to, <laughs> they don't like them. Yeah, I don't know how Gary Bettman can say that with a straight face and say that he, you know, based on his polling, um, you know, that they that they actually enjoy 
uh, you know, yeah. the digital ads. I mean, that to me is like, who are you pulling? Like, you know, daily and in, in a couple of your other cronies yeah, in yeah. a room. Like, I just don't, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see the the empirical data on, on, on those, uh, you know, on those statements. But, you know what, I, I find myself is, maybe I'm just not noticing as much. Maybe I'm going to too many live games. Yeah. Boohoo on me, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's just, you know, but, but I, I just like, I, I certainly understand it from people, uh, you know, people's frustration on it. I mean, you see some of the pictures on social media of, of, you know, the, the changing digital ads and players and, you know, ultimately parts of the plague and swallowed up by this, you know, digital, this new digital component to, to viewing, to viewing games. And so I, I certainly understand the frustration. There's other people, who don't seem to care. I just wish that Gary, you know, like I just wish Gary Bettman would come out and say, look, this is a, this is, you know, we're trying to build revenue. We're trying to generate new revenue. This is one of them. There are going to be glitches. We're going to be working things out, uh, you know, and, and, you know, even, even go as far as to say, we apologize for anybody who's having a hard time viewing. We're working on the bugs. Like, I don't know how Gary Bettman can look at those things that we all, you know, those examples over social media of, of, uh, of these digital ads and say that people actually enjoy it. So I think maybe a little less smoke, smoke screen, a little bit more honesty would go a long way. Cause I mean, the NHL, does need to generate money they aren't as lucrative as you know you look at some of these outrageous contracts and you know major league baseball and you know nba and and, and nfl and pretty much every other sports league um and so if they want to get to that echelon or they want to get you know start paying their players more money or, or having the you know the salary cap rise they're going to have to bring in new areas of revenue i just again i wish there was a little bit more transparency and honesty with how it's being executed jeff hamilton joining us here for a couple more seconds from winnipeg veteran uh, sports reporter great guy okay so let's talk bombers they got uh, Kyrie's wilson back in the fold i forgot about him he missed the season with an achilles injury they've uh they've re-signed uh you know they've had a good off season in terms of getting back their core players the dembskis the big hills the jefferson the Kalaros before the season, but what the heck's up? You got a, you've got Kyle Walters who's had a big hand mm-hmm. in building that team, and there's no commitment to the uh, to the GM. So is there a big time power struggle here between those two guys, O'Shea and Wilson or Walters? Pardon you me? know, you know, I think it's, uh, I think there's, you know, I don't. I think there's a lot of talk going on right now about about something that doesn't necessarily need to be addressed. I think ideally, or in an ideal world, or as you've seen in certain circumstances, particularly after you know how special the the run the Bombers have had over the last few years, that you would announce kind of a joint yeah. thing. You know, like you know, like, but the, the fact of the matter is, is Kyle Walters is under contract through next season, and you know, we saw what it took to you know, it didn't take too too long, but it does take a lot of time and energy to work out these these contracts and so you know again it would have been probably nice for the organization and for the fans to have okay we've extended Mike O'Shea and, and oh and guess what we've extended Kyle Walters as the general manager for a few more years I think with especially with the I think it'd be le- I think it'd be more concerning if there wasn't you know things like the the non non-player you know the football ops salary cap. I mean, this is, we don't know if it's going to grow or when it's going to grow or how long it's going to be in place. And if you're negotiating the contract, you know, and that's, that's not just the CFL, right? That's, you know, all sports leagues that have salary caps that, you know, with the chance of rising is the chance of gaining a higher paycheck. Look, I don't think Kyle Walters needs to worry about his resume as far as, you know, what he, you know, why he thinks he deserves to be on or extended or whatever. But that being said, we've also heard lots of talk about Mike O'Shea wanting more responsibility. Now, is that more responsibility 
general manager duties? I don't think so. I don't think that Mike O'Shea would be a good general manager, to be honest with you. I'm not saying he'd be a bad one, but he's too, you know, he's too close to the players. He's too, you know, he, there's a reason why the Bombers have had the success that they've had is because of Mike O'Shea, but that's because he's got, you know, an arm's length reach from, from dealing with contracts and, and valuing players by a dollar point. So, um, but also if it's not general, if it's not GM, if it's more responsibility, you know, because Comes more money, and and how do you fit everybody in and around? I mean, this is going to be a busy off season. Kyle's certainly busy right now, as as you noted, signing players and, and putting together a roster for 2023. Um, so you know he's got his hands tied. Um, but that being said. Going into next season, if this, you know, still hasn't been addressed, it's going to be something that's going to be talked about, as is the case whenever a, a GM or a coach is in the final year of their, of their contract. I just don't know if I, if I want to join the narrative right now to, as we, you know, as the Bombers have gone to the Grey Cup three times under Kyle Walter's leadership and Mike O'Shea's leadership. And while he doesn't have the contract for 2024, um, there's certainly plenty of time to rectify that. This guy brings great perspective to the show. Jeff Hamilton, a Merry Christmas to you and Hey, have a have a good time at your holiday party. I'll let you go now so you can get into the festive spirit. Thanks, Ballsy. The uh, yeah, the season officially starts for me tonight, and uh, like I said, I always appreciate coming on. And uh, shout out to your listeners as well. It's uh, Merry Christmas to them, and uh, hope everyone has a safe and happy. Says. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Sports Cage is brought to you by our friends at. Uh, Nelson Holmes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Our text line zinger, 936-6262, powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. What do you got there for some texts? Anything? I got a couple texts on the text line. Jerome is not happy with me that I do not like the Minnesota Vikings. I'm just paraphrasing. Mm. Um, Sorry about that. I mean, not everyone can be a Vikings fan, I guess. Yeah, there are a lot of smart people in the world. A lot of smart people. This texter, unnamed texter, uh, hate to do it. But uh, have to reference, uh, hate to reference, uh, reference the politics in which cities to live in. I live in Edmonton and always thought Alberta was the benchmark when it comes to politics and matching my personal preferences. Have to say it with the premier you have, Regina jumps to the top. Oh, so that's because we're talking about uh, preferred destinations in the CFL. Yes, sir. Zinger had. Um Riders 1, Calgary 2, Edmonton 3. So Regina 1, Calgary 2, Edmonton 3, Toronto 4, 5 was Ottawa 6, Vancouver 7, Montreal 8, Hamilton 9, Winnipeg. I had Saskatchewan 1. We're taking like jerseys in, how far your money goes, winning coaches. Uh, I had Saskatchewan 1, Winnipeg 2, Hamilton 3, Edmonton 4, Calgary 5. You sure you still want Winnipeg at 2? You still have time. Uh, Hamilton at 6, 7, Montreal 8, Vancouver <laughs> Nine Toronto. Vancouver would be one if everything yeah. was equal, but it's not equal in terms of your money going places. Hey, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and, and uh, speak with uh, Jeremy Corrigan with the SJHL. He uh, is the guy who runs their social media stuff. He used to be a voice of the Estevan Bruins, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right, Jeremy, when I say that? That is 100% uh, correct, Paul. Yeah. yeah, for three years I was the voice of the Estevan yeah. Bruins. I was for 10 months, so good guys uh, get their start in Estevan. Uh, we had the skip school game today, didn't we, in, uh, in Kindersley? Is that right? It was the skip school game, yeah. The West Central Event Center in Kindersley was packed with kids. Uh, they didn't have to go to school, and they enjoyed a pretty entertaining hockey game, but just 
Unfortunately, uh, their hometown Clippers couldn't pull out the win for them, but yeah. uh, a pretty cool event that Kindersley likes to do each and every year. Yeah, 5-2 the score for Humboldt. So do you guys, uh, so are free tickets handed out there to the schools? Is that how that works? That's exactly how it works. Yeah, essentially uh, all the students, I think uh, today was one of their last days of the class uh, before the Christmas break. So all the kids get to go out uh, to the rink and, uh, yeah, catch a good game of hockey and get free tickets. Tonight in the SJHL, we got Flynn Flon home to LaRange, uh, Notre Dame at Weyburn. Uh, it's uh, Melford at Nipwin in the Battlefords at Melville. Do you have a favorite rink, Jeremy Corgan? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it depends what, uh, I guess the criteria it is for favorite rink. I would say for modern modern rinks with uh, when it comes to how new they are, I would have to say uh, the affinity place down in Estevan is gorgeous. Uh, spending three years there and broadcasting there was unreal. But I would say for atmosphere, the Whitney Forum up in Flin Flon, hands down, is one of the best atmospheres I've ever been a part of when it comes to a hockey game. And if, if you're a diehard hockey fan, I highly recommend making the road trip up there and uh, checking out a game. It's unreal. So is the SJHL, I was going to get the commissioner on, but he said, hey, get my right-hand man here on. So uh, are we going uh, full cages? How's that working for the SJHL? Um, by the sounds of it, it won't be happening this season. Okay. Uh, nothing has been finalized just yet. I don't think the original proposition that came out when it came to the full cages, when it comes to coming in halfway through this season, I think it caught uh, most of the leagues off guard. And obviously that's a very difficult thing to potentially accommodate for all the teams, uh, not just in the SJHL, but across uh, the CJHL. So now it appears that, you know, that's going to be pushed off and something will probably become imminent for next season. Um, whether that be a grandfathering in, it's kind of yet to be determined. But I can say that uh, nothing is going to happen for this season. Okay. So uh, how about this? The, the uh, Battleford North Stars, we had their coach on a while ago. They've got 26 mm-hmm. wins. They do not have in 29 games a regulation loss. What a powerhouse there. It is very it's incredible when you think about it and um i've had the privilege of seeing them uh so many times this year and and they just find different ways to win they have the top three scores in the saskatchewan junior hockey league they have the number one line in the entire sjhl they have josh kotai in between the pipes uh for them and he has the best numbers he has a goals against average below two a save percentage of 945 and they have a complete blue line. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And even when you look at their game last night against the Yorkton Terriers, they were down 4-3 going into the third period, and they score six goals in the final 20 minutes, and they win the game 9-6. They are incredible, and they continue to find uh, different ways to win. And, and we'll see how long this uh, miraculous stretch goes for them. So like anything, uh, you got to evolve and the SJHL has with the social media, Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, everything like that. Have you, is it, can you uh, really um, gauge how much of a difference the social, uh, social media footprint has had in terms of the excitement around the league, people being more engaged with the teams? Well, personally, I can just because I've, you know, I've had the privilege of getting out to um, all 12 rinks so far this season. And I know in almost all of my stops, um, a lot of people approached me about if asking me if I was the one being involved with uh, all the different types of content that we've been producing in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And, you know, I even had some uh, kids out in Weyburn come up to me and ask me if I was the person running the TikTok and they were saying, that they follow along. And it's about, you know, the big thing we wanted to do when it comes to, you know, continue to pump up 
pump out new content for the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League is we want to obviously uh, we have we have our current fans, but we also want to you know get new hockey fans getting into the rink and, and get them engaged. And obviously, social media is such a big part of life now, whether we like it or not. Uh, it's a big part of life, uh, you know, whether whether you're a kid or an adult. So we want to make sure we get uh, as much content out as possible, and you know, try to you know reach out to people of all ages. Is there anything on the social media you know uh, aspect of this league that you like doing? Like, do you have like I know you do SJHL weekly, or there there are certain mm-hmm. things you like to do as opposed to other things, or that have caught uh, caught on more. Well, I, I think for me, I, like I enjoy almost I enjoy every aspect of my job. Uh, for sure, but I, I definitely enjoy doing our shows, SJHL Weekly and SJHL Insider, uh, just with my with my broadcasting background and being able to get to do uh, get to do shows is a lot of fun for me. And uh, you know, I also get to do uh, our SJHL game day previews that we just started producing uh, that we're putting out on our social media each and every game day, which uh, gets published early in the afternoon. And you know, it allows us to provide kind of more of uh, kind of like a sports center vibe when it comes to, you know, producing, you know, a preview of the night's action in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. So, um, you know, it allows me to use, you know, my broadcast experience and also get to use uh, some of the different skills that we've, uh, you know, combined here at IKS Media, IKS Media to produce, uh, you know, great new content for the league. Jeremy, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. We'll be uh, watching on all the uh, social media channels and, of course, on the website. Thank you. Thank you so much, Balti. Appreciate it. That's Jeremy Corrigan, the social media manager, uh, definitely one of the key voices in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. When we come back, we'll talk World Cup soccer with our own expert, Kevin Olness. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620. For details. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, World Cup of Soccer began November 20th. It wraps up uh, tomorrow and Sunday. The bronze medal matchup has Croatia against uh, Morocco, two uh, countries that put Canada out of the competition. And then, of course, we've got the big championship on Sunday, Argentina against France. And throughout this run, we've been uh, reintroduced to our buddy Kevin Holness, former national team member, big in the Regina soccer scene. Kevin, thanks for joining us. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing well, buddy. Doing well. What's Christmas uh, like in your household? Uh, it's a little bit hectic. I got family from both sides coming in and out of Regina. Family from Winnipeg. It's crazy. A lot of food. Too oh, much food. Oh wow! What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite go-to at uh, at Christmas? You know, it's tough because my my in-laws are Ukrainian, so we have a lot of pierogies and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And then my family's Jamaican, so we have a lot of uh, spicy Caribbean style. Ooh. There isn't really a go-to. I just eat it all and, and put on eighty pounds after the holidays. And then you got to start running around like so- get back into soccer, run up and down, right? I hear you, buddy. I hear you. Yeah, before Christmas, you look like Messi. After Christmas, you look like Diego Maradona is what you're telling <laughs> yeah, me. Right? That's right. right? Okay. That's right. Hey, that's uh, right. I'll tell you what. I uh, I liked Argentina way back in the day because that was the that was the team that I kind of remember watching in 80. I believe they won the 86 World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, in right? Mexico. Yep. Yeah, in Mexico. That was the last time Canada was in it. And Maradona. Was that the hand of God game? Am I, like the, hand, the of, hand of God. He yeah. put on a clinic against England in, in that tournament. Yeah. So what do you think of that hand of God game? And I, I hate it. I have I have coaches that uh, that always say if if I can tell you're cheating, you won't be on the team. So if you're a cheater, do it well. 
but there's guys that 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 uh, could go to sleep at night knowing that they did that, and I'm one of them. Okay, I, I don't I don't support it. I don't like it. It's it's entertaining after the fact because it's controversial and it mm. brought some attention to the sport and whatnot. But yeah, I I don't uh, believe in that stuff. So if Argentina wins, is Messi the greatest player of all time? Messi has shown throughout this tournament he is by far the greatest player right now in today's age of soccer. There was a comparison. There's always this debate between him and Cristiano. The difference is the difference is Cristiano needs uh, players around him to make him successful. Messi can do it on his own. Messi can can walk for 15 minutes and then go on a, a crazy run uh, late in the game and, and set up a goal to, to clinch the, the game. Yeah, so like as I had said to Rash Madani yesterday, I think Jerry Rice is the best football player that's ever played because he has the touchdown record and he's a receiver and receivers don't touch the ball all the time in the uh, NFL, right? Like a, like a foot, like a quarterback would or a running back. Um, right. And, and Rash said, well, you, I don't know if you're right, but you're not wrong. So that's what I'm saying. If Messi wins the championship this year, is he at the top of the mountain for good? Like pa- past Pele, past all of them. Is he the best? Nah, never past Pele. Never, never beyond Diego Maradona. It's totally a different time frame of, of when those guys were successful. Different brand of, of soccer in those days. For this generation, ah, Messi all the way. Okay, so let me stop you. You're talking to a novice guy, okay? Like I can, when I compare Gretzky with the rest, uh, I usually compare guys by their era. So like Gretzky was so much better than everybody else in his era. And if he never scored a goal, because we're talking about Ovechkin trying to catch him, if he never scored a goal, he's still the leading scorer in NHL history. To me, Gretzky's the best. But but I could tell the difference between Gretzky's hockey, where the goalies wore Sears catalogs and nobody yeah. and nobody back checked, and compare and they went to training camp to get in shape to today's day and age, where they got better equipment, they come in shape. It's twelve months a year, like you know what I mean. I could tell the difference. You just referenced something there, so how, to me, soccer isn't like. What do you mean? It's a different type of game. To me, it's still the same type of game. So how is that generation different than this generation? Well, from my opinion, the Pele generation was was more finesse style of soccer. It was it was grueling because they 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 played on uh, heavier pitches. Their equipment wasn't wasn't up to standard until the latter days. In Diego's uh, time, soccer became a lot lot more physical than it was. There wasn't too many players with blazing speed back then. And now it's a, it's a different level. There's aliens out there because the the pace of the game. The, the fitness you need, the size of the pitch has increased, the technology behind the, the soccer ball and the equipment that they have to wear is, is at a way different standard. And you put that together and, and with all the type of athletes that are, that are on the field, and I know everyone hates using the term athletes when you're referencing soccer, but I love it because it does paint a picture of how strong and how developed these, these humans are that are playing this, this sport. Man, Messi is is a guy that always stands out amongst the fastest, the strongest, the tallest. He still stands out regardless. No, they are athletes. There's no doubt about it. Anybody that thinks that soccer uh, players aren't athletes, uh, what what are you talking about? I just don't like how when they flop and they they sprinkle the miracle water on them and it's like the plant grows (laughs) again. I don't like that part of it, but they they are definitely great athletes. Now, here's the funny thing. Rider Nation is a cult. We know that. We both live here. And when they don't have a great year like this year, everybody should be fired and the coach sucks and this. But soccer, it's like on steroids times a million. I don't know the 
the guy's name, you can obviously uh, have it off the top of your head, but Argentina's manager, after that debacle in the first game against Saudi, they've really come back and, uh, you know, it looked like that thing could be circling the drain early, but he's definitely managed these guys well. Absolutely. I think he was on the chopping blocks. As you notice, I'm not sure if you know, there's seven seven coaches or managers that have now left their post. Yeah. Mexico's coach at the final whistle was fired. Netherlands, Belgium, Spain, South Korea. I can't remember the last. Brazil. Ghana, but Brazil, Chiche is gone. Crazy. And those guys know that returning back to their countries with, with defeats and not qualifying, you look at a country like Brazil that's supposed to win it, they can't show their face. They can't show their face. The manager now for for Argentina, he's gonna be he's gonna be a god. He'll be even more more worshipped if, if they win it because everything everything is geared towards uh, Messi winning it. All his teammates are coming out in interviews saying we're doing this for Messi. Whatever happens, this is for Messi, and they're there. They're there. We'll talk about the prediction in a minute. I also want to get into the uh, the, the third-place game. But let's talk about the other team, because this could be the first time in 60 years we have a repeat champion in World Cup soccer, which is not an easy feat. This is a powerful, powerful France team with that young kid. I can't pronounce his name, but he's under 20. Yeah, if, he's, if he wins, we talk about the one guy, the old-timer. How about this guy? Under 23, he'll automatically shoot to more stardom if they win. True, and you know he's a he's a teammate of Messi on their professional club team in in Paris. Mbappe was uh, there was some controversy because he's a little bit envious of the attention Messi was getting uh, when Messi arrived from Barcelona over to, to Paris. So it's kind of a a little bit of a backstory there, and and, and we tout it as a changing of the guard because Mbappe is supposed to be the the next one after Cristiano and Messi, and and now everyone's talking about Mbappe. But they're two way different styles of uh, players' balls. The Mbappe is based on pure speed and endurance and, and pushing the ball far lengths and running past defenders, whereas Messi's more intricate and can change speed at, at any time and, and just light up a, a whole defensive structure on his own. So <clears throat> help me out. I've been listening to, to different experts here. So if France is going to win, they got to be more finesse. And if Argentina is going to win, they got to be down and dirty and a little physical and take some fouls. Am I right when I say that? You're 100% correct. I think France, with their arrogance, is going to cost them the, the World Cup final. I think they've gone through this tournament only playing a certain way uh, because they're France and they and they won the World Cup four years ago, whereas Argentina has adapted. Uh, if I had an hour to show you, have adapted three or four times throughout uh, this event to produce what they produced and to, to make it to the final. And again, everything is circulated around Messi. And it's worked out well for them. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. That can't be underestimated. You could talk about uh, different things, the, the young kid, uh, the, the powerhouse yeah. that is France, but it's called intangibles. And when you're playing for somebody, I think that's a huge deal. So true. And what even made it more, more enlightening is he's come out in an interview to say this is his last World Cup. This is the last time he'll represent Argentina at this stage. And it's it's even a bigger motivation for his teammates and for the whole country of uh, Argentina. So you've got that. You got that as the uh, as the Argentina beating uh, France, and I, I hope Argentina wins too. Now 
the 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 number three game, the the bronze medal game, Croatia against Morocco. They kind of rolled the wave. They were rolling Morocco. I liken yeah. them to I liken them to the nineteen ninety six Florida Panthers. Nobody knew the rats were thrown on the ice against Colorado, but uh, then the luck ran out. I feel like Croatia should win this game. I feel with Croatia's experience, Morocco. You and I spoke last. We're going into a game against Portugal. I called it against yeah, Portugal, based on spirit and emotion. Um, Morocco's uh, next game against France. They played like little kids. They're making some dumb mistakes and ideas, and and I think Croatia will will destroy them for that. I think their time has <laughs> has run out uh, playing on emotions. Uh, they've gone their spell. Croatia's just just a far more experienced. Uh, Team. They they had a tactic throughout the World Cup to, as we call it, uh, yeah, my coaches play boring soccer, kill the game, make it non lively, and then out of the blue, spring one. And I think that's that's where they're going to catch Morocco. Kevin, thanks for your time through all this. We'll see if your predictions come true. And I'd like to have you on on the other side of the calendar year to continue to talk soccer locally. Okay. I appreciate it, Ballsy. Have a good one. Kevin, take care. Merry Christmas. We'll be back with more of the sports cage in a moment on six twenty store only. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage for our friends at Nelson Holmes. We call this Friday Fun. We sometimes look at some fun things going on in sports or the world. Ballsy along with Singer, my producer. People online are talking about things we all do in secret, pretending that no one else does it, but in reality, we aren't fooling anyone because we all do it. Here are some of the most relatable highlights. Kazinger? Let's do it. Passing gas in public. They say they don't, but you know all of us do. Oh, yeah, especially on the airplane. Airplane, yeah, oh, or yeah. a bus. You yeah. don't know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't worry. I dropped a couple there. <laughs> long flight from oh, LA. I know, I know. Uh, when you go into an aisle at a store and you see someone in front of the object you're looking for, but you pretend you're getting something else all the while hovering near them, waiting for them to leave the area so you can get it. Yeah. Especially if it's the last thing and you're hoping they don't buy it. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't want to give them the Gordie Howe elbows, but you're kind of waiting. You might have to. Uh, or you can just go up to them and be like, can you get the hell out of my way already? Mm-hmm. How about this? Making snap judgments on people based on their appearance. People mm-hmm. say they don't do it, but we do. Yeah. I think we do. I think so. Got to dress right. Remember I told you about dressing, right? Yeah, that's kind of taking a dive lately. It's kind of taking a dive lately, not going to lie, Ballsy. New, well, you were sick for a while. It'd be a, be a new, new Year resolution, I promise. I had right? told, in fairness, I told... <laughs> listen, it's not like I don't I dress spectacularly, <laughs> but sometimes I wear dress shirts and stuff. I told you, Zinger, start wearing a collared shirt around work a little bit. And you did for a stretch there. Yeah. Now you look like you're shopping at j- Walmart. J- just, just know that uh, <laughs> I am aware. I am that's, I am aware. <laughs> that's funny. Opening a card and pretending not to see cash fall out while reading the card. You just did that over here. Our boss, Abby, our boss, Abby, gave us all turtles, which was a nice gesture, and he gave us a card. And you opened the card, and you said, no money fell out. That's what you said. That's literally what you said. That's, that's what funny. I do every time. I yeah. mean, it's natural. How about this one? Looking up words that people use because we don't know what they mean, even though we're nodding and pretending to understand what they're talking about. Oh, yeah, then you then you put it into the thesaurus, and then yep. you start having a conversation based on another word of yeah. what it means. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every day telling small lies, especially to make us and others feel better. Do you do that? Oh, I'm not a liar. When she says, <laughs> "Do these jeans make my butt look big?" Big? Do you say no? Uh, no. I say, honey, it's not the jeans' fault. <laughs> 
But that's not now. No, she looks real good. Uh, hey, hey, I got a joke for you. I got okay, a joke. Okay, can I do it live on the air? Will we get fired? No. Okay. All right. What? What? I have my hand out in front yeah, of Ballsy yeah, right, right now. Your left hand. My left hand. With your All ring right. on there. Watch, yeah. watch, watch the fly. You see him? He did one backflip. Yeah. He did two backflip. Yeah. He did three back. Yeah. Okay. He's getting hot though. Here, hey, hold his jacket. Okay. While he's doing the backflips. Okay. All right. Another backflip. Another backflip. Yeah. Do you believe there's a fly in my hand? No. You're supposed to say yes. Okay, yes. Yes. Well, why are you holding his jacket then? <laughs> You're such a did loser. Did you like that? You're such a my loser. My wife did that to me yesterday. You're such a loser. <laughs> you uh, ruined it. You're supposed to yeah. say yes. Do you smell your own body odor? Uh, yeah, actually, in the L.A. airport, I had to buy a, a bar of deodorant <laughs> in that in that one store there because yeah. man, I was ripe. Mm. Do you have a full? Con- Do you have any pets? Uh, yeah, I got two wiener dogs at my mom's place. Do you talk to the wiener dogs? Oh yeah. Like you're good. Full, for, you, they're good friends. Of do you mine. have full conversations with them? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, this one may be the best. Okay. Okay. Saving dead batteries, pretending we dispose of them properly, and then getting to the point where it's out of control and we hide them in the trash can. Do you do that? <laughs> do you do that? Yeah. How about this? Throwing <laughs> garbage in the recycling and vice versa when you shouldn't. You know, because you got those different bins. Oh, I do that all the time. Me too. Yeah. You notice in the states they don't recycle. Yeah, I'm not. I, they they just throw stuff yeah, I've everywhere. I've never been a big proponent of that recycling yeah maybe i'm a bad person you are kind of a bad person and this is great (laughs) now uh we recently heard that scientists have designed a designed a urinal that drastically reduces splashing oh but there are other cases that could benefit from an increase in splashing such as this one the westminster neighborhood in london in london england has been struggling with people relieving themselves on city streets and they're fighting back big time they're painting walls and other surfaces with a special kind of paint which actually causes the stream to splash back on the person when they pee on it the idea is to deter uh, deter public urination by soaking the person with their own thing They've added posters uh, with a QR code to help people find the nearest public restroom and to remind them that public urination is illegal. They're adding more public toilets, and there will be a focus on finding people who are caught. I have, there's two cities that people like to go to that I have had absolutely no desire to go to. To be honest, now that I've been to L.A., I would never go back again. <laughs> yeah. I would never go back again. I liked Huntington Beach where we stayed, but L.A. is a dump. Yeah. And I, and Beverly Hills very underwhelming. I was very underwhelmed. Yeah. Now I will very. tell you this: no desire to go to London, England. Do you? I have zero desire to go see England. Uh the only reason why I would like to go is to see some Premier League live. It to me, it, it's, Old Trafford. To Man me, U. it's it's drab. It's boring. It's got clouds and rain, and obviously people peeing everywhere. So I have no desire to go to London, England, and I have absolutely no desire to go to New York City. Yeah. You're not new. Have you been to New York City? Yeah, I, I, you have. I like New York City. Where, you went to, to a sporting event. Yeah. I, Which I, one did you go to? No, uh, I've been to a lot there. You like New York? Yeah. Real? What do you like about New York? I have no desire. The to sports. I've I've seen the Packers play the Giants and Jets. I've seen. What's that stadium like compared to the one we were in? I like MetLife probably better. It's like a big old fashioned stadium, except it's newer. Uh, that's my type of. Do they? Yeah. Do you think in England, by the way, do you think they use Boris bidets there? Boris bidets? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, except everything goes wide to the right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. That's my, that's my joke. That's your thing there. Okay, so. <laughs> can I tell you this funny story? Yeah, well, I got a second here. So, very first time I encountered a bidet. So, my grandma and I went on this uh, this tour to uh, this religious tour to Italy. And I had just been dating my then wife, and I was deciding, and this is a true story, I was deciding whether I was going to be a priest or not. And I'm kneeling by St. Peter's tomb then. I think Pope John Paul is buried there now. I'm a Catholic. And I said to God, listen, I'd love to be a priest, but I like women too much. Sorry. I walked out of the uh, Vatican into St. Peter's Square and a pigeon crap right in my arm like two seconds later. So maybe that was a sign. <laughs> I'm divorced now. Uh, but I will tell and I'm not totally blaming that on her. Uh, then the other thing is, is on that trip, we went to this upscale uh uh, hotel. This is in Italy? Yeah, in yeah. Rome. And there were two. There was the toilet and the bidet. Well, I didn't know what a bidet was. I'm just mm-hmm. like, uh, what would I have been? I'm a 15-year-old. No, sorry. I'm a 20-year-old kid mm-hmm. un- from Glen Cairn. Not a lot of culture. Yeah. So I, I thought that's where you pee. I took a pee in the bidet, flushed it, and it came back. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. Do That's that. exactly what I did. Oh my god! That's exactly what I did. Anyway, uh, that's my story for the day. When we come back <laughs> on the other side, we're going to take a trip down to audio memory lane from earlier this week. We call it Sports Cage Rewind and get to some other stuff. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty KRM dot com. I love the smell of nightclub in the morning. This is where the fun begins. Six twenty CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host Michael Ball. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Shows brought to you by our friends over there, at Nelson Home, supplying whole packages and RTM for RTMs. Pardon me for over 65 years. Our text line. We'll get to some of those before the end of the show. Uh, brought to you by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac 936-6262. and all our guests throughout the week. Brought to you by the Western Pizza Hotline for holiday stuff. Why don't you check in at Western Pizza like I'm going to do going for lunch as uh, they will uh, help your office parties or uh, host you at their various locations. Uh, so uh, this week we had heard from uh, Jamal Morrow, who's a college football coach, Mike Leach at Washington State University, but now most recently at Mississippi State with the Bulldogs passing away unexpectedly at the age of 61 from a heart attack. And uh, he was famous for the air raid passing offense in college football, a real innovator. He um, helped Jamal Morrow get in or was steering him towards pro football. And actually in Canada, as you'll hear, as we caught up with Jamal earlier in the week, we call this our Sports Cage Rewind. One of the most screwed up things about this country is the fact that in order to do anything, in order to cross the street, we always have to have a committee, you know, and I said, you know, uh, and so I figured, well, screw the committee. We really only need one guy, and and, and, and now he's got to be smart enough to call either heads or tails. That's it. So then I thought about, well, should I get the biggest guy on the team or the littlest guy on the team? And then I thought, 
Well, <clears throat> Jamal Morrow was on The Price is Right and was fairly lucky and went to the final round and almost won the sucker. And it was closest to the price, but he's over by it. He's over by like $3. The other person's under by like $60. But since he's over, he loses. And and, and so I figure, well, Jamal Morrow's a lucky guy. Uh, <clears throat> plus, he's got pretty good energy to him and stuff like that. So why not Jamal Morrow? And so then Jamal Morrow goes out and did have an amazing knack for winning the toss. And then, I mean, wins it almost all the time. I mean, literally. Win, I mean, I'm serious about this. I don't know what his record is, but it's something incredible. And then, um, <clears throat> but I don't even really care about that because one way or the other, you get the ball one half or the other, except one time when I played Nebraska. Oh, I'll tell you a story on that in a second. So hold on to your hat. And then, so Morrow goes out there and he had a funny uh, tendency to win. Then I'm thinking, I don't want to sit here and think of and sort out a new guy to do it. So Jamal Morrow has gone out there for the coin toss for about two and a half years, and then we got on a roll, and so then I liked it even better. <laughs> there will never be another Mike Leach, sadly passing away at the age of 61 from a heart attack, one of the uh, most accomplished coaches in FBS football history in uh, the United States NCAA. And this guy, Jamal Morrill, the man he was talking about, is with our Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Jamo, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, man. Tough times, I'll tell you that. Uh, it is a tough time, I know that, but it, it, listening to that guy, listen, thanks to YouTube and everything, I don't like a lot of social media and all that other BS, but thanks to YouTube, we'll always have Mike Leach quotes. Was he really like that in person? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the what you see in the in the media on YouTube, his press conferences is what you is that what we got in our meeting room. So like literally the exact same. I mean, he'll go on this a random tangent of what when, when we're in our meeting rooms, what type of we talk about football. He just goes on another tangent for another thirty minutes. We're all just sitting there like we need to go, but he's just having the time of his life, just you know talking about whatever whatever's on his mind. That's what he's gonna talk about. And like we're, we have like a game, we have a game plan to get ready for, and he's just going on on this random whatever we're talking about. But that's exactly who he is as a person, and that's what makes him so great. What uh, what did he mean to you? I know he had a a pretty big a Twitter and Instagram post. Uh, it looked like he meant a lot to you, uh, Jamal. Yeah, I mean, he was just a, a guy who actually, you know, like, coming out of high school, I didn't have too many, you know, off, off offers, but he was a guy that kind of believed in me, and, you know, and so once, you know, he, he told me, like, yeah, I believe in you, you could have success, and so that just kind of meant a lot to me, and I know, like, what he, I knew what he had done before with his previous teams, and so, I mean, like I said, he was just a guy that installed, you know, so many just great morals in you, like, he told us, that he broke it down, everything was the same, like, respect everyone fear no one, play the next play and be the most excited to play. And so those are like the three things I'm always he's, he installed in us each and every day and so like it kind of just kind of kind of creates the mindset I have today and so just regardless of whatever happens, you gotta you know, 
fear, respect everyone's fear. No one be, be the most inside to, you know, play each and every day. I just wake up each and every day. And so you meant so much to me. And, you know, they're not even just to me, but to the whole, you know, college football community. So definitely sad to, you know, to lose a guy like that. But I was very, very grateful to spend time with him. Former Texas Tech coach, he coached uh, JMO there at Washington State University with the Cougars and, of course, wrapped up there with the Mississippi State Bulldogs, like I said, passing away at the age of 61. He had the air raid offense, the ball, threw the ball around the field, man. It was like a video game. How much did that at Washington State and his offense help you kind of adjust to the Canadian Football League where the running back has to catch the ball out of the backfield? Oh, it. I mean, it exactly made me the player today, and it was actually hilarious. Like, during my, like, whole NFL draft period, he always told me, like, hey, you would make a very good running back in the CFL. So if the NFL don't work out, like, you would you would be able to do some damage up there. And, you know, and he told me that before I was even, like, interested in looking into it. And so then once I got up to it, I'm like, he was right. Like, this game fits the way I play the game. And uh, so, being, I mean, you're, it's all about space. And that's what the CFL is, especially for a running back. You get the ball in space, and you got to do what you have to do. And so it was kind of just setting me up, you know, to, to, for my success, you know, that I had, you know, in the CFL so far. Yeah, we were talking about innovative coaches in our life, uh, lifetime. People would say, you know, uh, there's Buddy Ryan with his defense with the Bears, Air Coriel in San Diego with the Chargers, and before that with St. Louis. And you've got, uh, you know, a guy like uh, Mike Leach with uh, with the teams that he coached with the Air Raid offense. Jamal Morrow joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hey, you're back in Rider Colors. I haven't talked to you since then. Congratulations. How does it feel, man? You are going to be one of the key contributors one of the anchors on offense. In fact, I would say uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better anchor on offense right now. We don't even have a quarterback, per se, that uh, we could we, we got our team wrapped around. So you're the guy right now, man. And you would have been my Player of the Year nominee because I do get a vote. I voted for Sankey, but it was going to be Morrow until you got hurt, man. So uh, just your thoughts on being back in Rider Nation. I mean, I, I mean, right, I'm, I was excited. I mean, J.L. reached out, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I don't want to be anywhere else. And so he reached out. I knew at the time we didn't have an offensive coordinator. We didn't have a, a quarterback at the you know, State so whatever was going on with that situation. But I was just like, hey, well, regardless of the fact, I know what I can contribute to this team. And, you know, I, I'll be a cornerstone, you know, to, for us, you know, to build around so we can get to a great cup. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, we can get everything situated. But uh, as long as I'm, I'm super excited just to be a part of the team and be a cornerstone to this offense and to the success that you know that we can have next season. And that's a good point. I'll get to the offensive coordinator in a minute. You guy you know well, Kelly Jeffrey. But the quarterback situation is tenuous at best. That that didn't cause you any pause for uh, for reflection before putting a pen to pen to paper. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I knew whatever, whoever's at court, whoever's at the helm, I'll be able to assist them. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, pass flow, getting the ball in the space, running the ball, like, I knew what I can bring to the to the quarterback to help him. So, I mean, I'm just hoping, you know, we have a guy or we keep the guy, whoever, whoever we bring in or whatever's going to happen with that situation that, you know, like, they'll, they'll know they'll have a steady uh, a weapon that, you know, in the backfield with them at the same time as a... Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Jamal. Were you sp- and, and, and answer it how you want. Don't answer it. I, I'm just asking you, okay? Did it sc- Was it a head-scratcher for you with the quarterback situation at the end of the year with Cody? Or you don't, it's just whoever's uh, behind center, you just play your your game? 
I mean, yeah, I was, I just play my game, you know. Whatever the, you know, the, the upper management wants to do, that's what they have to do. But, you know, I didn't want to look into too much into that. You know, I was just there just to, you know, play the game and whoever we want with, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out there and do my best, you know, to, to help them out and, you know, help them and try to, you know, get them to success. So that was kind of the main thing. I didn't really, you know, look too much into it. I was like, all right, whoever they go with, that's their choice with, and what are we going to go with it? So, that's kind of how yeah. I, I approach the whole situation. Yeah, and I know it's a, it's kind of an uncomfortable question to ask. Uh, you, you you go to battle with somebody uh, and your your friends and your teammates with them, whether it be Cody Mason or Jake Dolagala or whoever it's going to be next year. Uh, Jamal, you're one of the guys that came out and endorsed Kelly Jeffrey as a, as a great offensive coordinator. You thought he'd make a great uh, offensive coordinator. Why is he going to be good for this offense? Do you think now that he has the job? Yeah, I mean, he has, you know, from what I've seen in, in our film room, the way he broke it down, like the offense down, he broke it down from an offensive coordinator perspective when he was when he was with his running back. So I was sitting there like he's going over what the receiver should do, what the quarterback should read. I'm just like, all right, that doesn't really matter. That's easy, you know. Like, let's just look at the pass protection and our routes and all that stuff. So he he's a very offensive-minded person. And um, so just being in the, the film room with him and how he breaks down field, and what he sees, and he was drawing up some of the plays that we ran last year, you know, and so some of the successful plays. So, I mean, I just know I think he has a, a great offensive mind and he has the ability to, you know, scheme guys up. And so I'm super excited to, to see him at, you know, him to be the offensive coordinator this year. And I have nothing, you know, but, but faith in him to get the job done. Jamal, I just took 60 listeners down to Los Angeles, to your neck of the woods. We watched two hockey games in Anaheim with the Ducks, and we watched two of those NFL games at SoFi, okay? Beautiful stadium. Uh, you know, I love me some SoCal. How the heck do you deal with the traffic down there? It drives me nuts. <laughs> exactly. You stay in the house because you don't have to. You know, you gotta you gotta pick and choose when you gotta leave the house. I mean, the traffic is unreal. I mean, I I live like a, about an hour outside of LA, so I don't really go there too much. But when I do, it's like, all right, what time is the best time to leave the house? Why it won't hit that much traffic? And it's always about timing, you know. But I mean, literally, like, I mean, to go five miles, it'll probably take you like 45 minutes, it depends on how bad traffic is. So, I mean, people, you got to do what you got to do, but, you know, you, you pay for it. You do with that for the weather, I guess, you know. So I guess that's what people, you know, come to SoCal for, is just for the weather and to deal with traffic. So, I mean, you pick and choose your battles, I guess. Hey, uh, we're glad you're back at Rider Nation. Thanks for spending some time with us. Have yourself a great rest of the week, Jamal. Hey, you as well, man. Take care. Thanks for having me on the of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. All right, so uh, what do we got going on tonight in the NHL? We got uh, Calgary and St. Louis, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they'll get going at 8 o'clock our time. Wild at the Blackhawks. Coyotes visit the Islanders. Golden Knights taking on the Blackhawks. Oh, sorry, that was yesterday. So just three tonight. Coyotes, Islanders, Wild Blackhawks, Flames, Blues. Our Pats are in Moose Jaw tonight. 7 o'clock face-off. 6.35 pregame show with Dante to carry it. Three games in the NFL tomorrow. The Vikings going up against the Colts. Um, who's the? I know Miami and Buffalo. And who's the other one? Um, let me see here. 
NFL. Uh, there we go. It's uh, the Ravens and the Browns. So the old Ravens and the new, the old Browns and the new Browns. Miami Buffalo should be pretty. Uh, yeah, although they're supposed to get a real heavy snowstorm. I like watching and those games. Miami is a mine. They're zero and eight in uh, forty degrees Fahrenheit or um, or colder in the last eight games. They used heaters on the bench in L.A. I didn't know that. So yeah. they're going to get smoked. Packers play the Dolphins on Christmas Day. Well, that's Looking forward to that one in let's Miami. Look, let's look at some of the NFL here. Let's go with some of the NFL. we got a second. Ravens at the Browns. you got to go uh, Ravens. Ravens at the Browns. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to go Browns. Deshaun Watson, because they got some question marks at quarterback. Uh, Colts at Vikings. Vikings should smoke them. Yeah. And it's an afternoon game, not evening game. Yep. Bills take down the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins finish within a touchdown though. I don't think it's as big a blowout as you think it is. I think I think the yeah, I think the Bills will win that one. Eagles play the Bears. I don't know. I don't I'm not the Eagles have a great record, but are they that good? Well, they're good enough to beat the Bears. Yeah. Bears uh, suck. Lions at the Jets. Looks like Zach Wilson's going to play. Mike White has not been cleared to play by the by the doctors. He wants to play, but they won't let him. That's going to be a close game. For some reason, Detroit can win games. I had so. picked the Jets as my favorite, <laughs> but I think, uh, nah, the Jets Is it got in a good, Detroit? No, it's in, uh, in New York. Yeah, I think Detroit will probably win that one, to no, be I'm honest. Go, I'm going Jets. Uh, Steelers at Panthers. I think the Steelers' defense will beat up on whoever's quarterback, Sam hey, Darnold and the Panthers. If the Carolina Panthers win out... They will win the NFC South. It doesn't matter what any other team does. So if, really? they, if they win out, they win the South. Wow. So you think they win? I think they win. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I'll, maybe I'll go with that too. Yeah. Chiefs at Texans. The biggest question there is can the Texans finish within 17 points? <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't even play that game, dude. Ten. Bob, yeah. well, we thought Dallas would blow uh, the Texans yeah, out. Yeah, but come on. Saints Falcons. Saints Falcons. That's an ugly one. There's that's, a lot of ugly games. That's a, that's a snoozer. I don't know. Do we have to make a prediction for that one? I predict nobody will watch it <laughs> outside of New Orleans and Atlanta. Uh, how about the Cowboys and the Jags? That's one in Jacksonville. I think the Jags are going to win that game. Wouldn't that be something? I would like that. I'd love to see that. Trevor Lawrence has been playing like he's supposed to be playing. So is that washed-up dude T.Y. Hilton playing in the game? Uh, I think I read something today on Twitter that he should be in the lineup. Are you having a baby, or are you just picking belly lint out of your belly? Belly lint. Okay. Because I see you, like, rubbing your stomach. Are you hungry or yeah, what? I am hungry, man. Uh, now, how about this matchup? The Cardinals against the Broncos. It's Colt McCoy against Brett Rippin. What a quarterbacking matchup. Cardinals are, what, 4-9, Denver is something and ugly. Three and ten, I yeah, believe. Yeah, it's not bad. There's a lot of bad games this they week. Are. How about the Patriots? This week the, sucks. Patriots at the Raiders. Patriots at yeah, that could. That Patriots got to win to keep the playoffs going because they're seven and six that's right a, now. That's the makings for a pretty. Big, I need the Raiders to win to help my Chargers out. Yeah, play the Titans. right now the Patriots are the seven seed with the tiebreaker over the, your, you guys. The San Diego Chargers. Yeah, San Diego's home to uh, Tennessee. Who do you got? L.A. They're Chargers. back in San Diego. Yeah, this they're week. back in L.A. again. Yeah. Yeah. Who they? Oh, uh, Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think San. Or, <laughs> You're, you're cursing my mind. Yeah. I think the L.A. Chargers will beat the Titans. I think so. Uh, Bengals all over the Bucks. Oh, that would be you, you never. It seems like you don't know what's up with the Bucks. It's like they play really good. One I know week what's up, and then, but then they suck, and then they suck. So what? What are they going to be this week? I think this is the week they're going to be good. I think the Bucks will win a close one against the Bengals. I'm intrigued by what you said. Carolina runs the table, and they can knock out Brady and the Bucks. Yeah, it's interesting. How about this one? This one at the start of the year, you'd be like, 
Yuck. But it's the Sunday night game. The Giants against the Commanders. That that one is a good one. Has huge playoff implications. Because right now the Commanders are the sixth seed. Right now the Giants are the seventh seed. Both teams are seven, five, and one. And not only has big implications for those two teams, but also the teams on the bubble right now, like Seattle, uh, Detroit, Green Bay. All those teams on the bubble are cheering, you know, for these two teams to lose. Obviously, that's not going to happen this week unless they tie again. They tie two weeks ago. Yeah, that's a, that's that is a very good Sunday nighter. Who are you, who are you going with? Uh, I like the Commanders, Unis. I think the Commanders are a better team. I think since the hot start from the Giants, they started like six and one, seven and one, or something like that. Since then, they've yeah. yeah I think I think Washington wins. I like Taylor Heineken. Heineken. Yeah, me. Yeah, me Heineke, too. Yeah. Old, Old Dominion. And your team, the Rams and the Packers. That's the Monday Nighter. That, they should, Packers got to win. Yeah. That was a big loss last night for Seattle. Yeah, that was good for. So so for how, so can your Packers if they win out make the playoffs? If they win out, they can make the playoffs. They would finish with nine wins. What's their schedule like, though? Uh, we we got we got the L.A. Rams this week, yeah, and then we go to Miami on Christmas Day. And then uh, we're home against the Vikings, home against Detroit. Those are all winnable games. So all winnable. But the thing is, right now, the two teams that are above them in the wild card race, I just mentioned it, Washington 7-5-1, and one, and the Giants are 7-5-1. and one. Mm. Both those teams have the tiebreaker over the Packers because they beat the Packers this year. So that means the Packers need a straight-up finish with one win above them, right? So if the Packers went out and have nine wins, well, I already mentioned Washington and the Giants have seven wins right now. So at least one of those teams is only allowed to win one more game. So, for example, if the Giants lose uh, or if Washington wins, they will have eight wins. So then we kind of cheer for the Giants to keep losing because they can't. Bottom so line. who are you cheering for on Sunday Night Football? I don't, it, you're it, kind it, of messed up here, and I don't know if you're coming or going. I don't know, because the thing is, it doesn't really matter this week. One of these teams are going to win. So well, unless they tie again. Yeah, but like next week, you you will know who you really want to, you know. But I, 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 I kind of want the Giants to win this week because I feel like the Giants are more than likely... Going to lose more? Lose more Down going forward. Yeah, yeah okay. if that makes any sense. It makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. Not a lot, but a little I know everyone out there is thinking, what the hell is he talking about? But bottom line is, in a nutshell, the six and seven seeds right now both have seven wins, those two teams. The Packers can make the playoffs if they win out mm. and only allow one of these teams to win one more game. So I think it's like a 3% chance they're giving the Packers. So it's it's not going to happen, mm. but don't tell me the odds. <laughs> <You're hilarious. laughs> okay, so here's what we're doing. I am done now until the new year. Can I mention something quick before we get into yeah. that? Uh, yeah. uh, Dale is on the text line saying he's on his way to Moose Jaw right now to watch uh, the Pats take on the Warriors tonight. Oh, good, so. Dale. Thanks. Have yeah. fun. And Sorry. we have the game with Dante to carry. So I am done till the new year. Singer's going to be in here hosting and navigating our best of shows next week and then the following week except for one day when you're out uh the uh, sports cage uh year in review so we'll do those the following week okay on the other side of the calendar year big big things coming for the sports cage you don't want to miss it you make sure you tune in okay we got some bit right when the calendar flips right when we come back big announcement from big the sports cage yeah absolutely so in the back there 
while we were listening to our Sports Cage Rewind, we went back and you and I kind of dabbled in the holiday office party they got going in the back. Mm-hmm. Little cornhole action. Once again, I just showed up and showed how great I am throwing them in. It was unbelievable. You, Everybody was applauding me like golf claps and everything, right? Bonnie, she's this big cornhole expert, uh, expert yep. and I kicked her ass. Like, just because like, I'm an unbelievable world class athlete to go along with being a great broadcaster. So, um, Zing- you did sink like three in a row. Oh, there, like- I sunk three God. in a row. And, and, and they were, they weren't one of those ones that, those weak ones like Bonnie where they slide no, no, in. They drop. were swishes. They were swishes. Like it was fade away, Kobe Bryant, tongue out. No, that's Jordan. Yeah. Like I just killed it. So anyway, but with the office party, the, the longer you stay, the more dangerous it can get. Mm-hmm. But our friend, friend of the show, Morgan Freeman, wraps the show up here. He tells us how to get away from trouble at the office party, okay? Yeah, let's hear this. Office holiday parties leaving you down and out? As in, your pants are down and your man candy's out? <laughs> Don't feel bad. Well, I've been known to cut my Shawshank loose at work gatherings, too. Fortunately, there is a fix. It's called bringing your wife. You drag that buzzkill along and the only thing you'll hook up with under the mistletoe is sound investment advice from Ed in accounting. Now, will it ruin the party? Sure. But you'll feel better the next morning when you don't wake up in a warm, steaming pile of your own sick. Happy Holidays. Oh yeah, happy holiday. Merry Thank Christmas you, to, Merry Christmas to you, Zinger. Merry Christmas to you, man. You and I saw your kid, he's shopping for your gift in Walmart there with the he's nice hair. Wal- he's actually I think he's picking up a new car seat for himself. Oh, looks like he bought some Ritz crackers for you and him to share. Thanks for the big child tax today, Trudeau. Oh, he gave you some money. Yeah. Justin. Yeah. Help give pay- him a vote. He to, gives us good money. To, to, to help pay for just inflation. Uh, on behalf of Zinger, I'd like to say Merry Christmas to you and yours. And uh, thanks for uh, listening to us all year long. And thanks for making us the number one sports talk presentation in the province. We will see you on the other side of the calendar year. Be safe. Have fun. And, uh, yeah, uh, treat yourself nice this holiday season. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRA.